Welcome to episode 34 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. I think too many of our colleagues and compatriots don't respect the time of the people who watch their content. And I realize that's a bit of a damning indictment, but if you recognize how much time is worth and you know when you did television when we did television and you know we had 23 minutes a week and it cost you tens of thousands of dollars to produce and to distribute that you respected what went went into every minute of that you respected the value of that time hello ian anderson gray here and then this episode of the confident live marketing podcast i've got the amazing steve dotto on the show to talk about lessons from traditional broadcasting steve is a veteran tv broadcaster from canada and an amazing YouTuber, and just a downright amazing guy. So I'm looking forward to interviewing him to talk about what we can learn from the world of TV broadcasting. But first... Looks like it's time for something completely nutty. is the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray, helping entrepreneurs level up their impact, authority, and profits through the power of live video. Gain confidence in front of the camera, confidence with technology, and confidence with the content and marketing. Together, we can go live! Hello, it's Ian Anderson Gray here for the Confident Live Marketing Show. This is episode 34, which is very, very exciting. Today I've got Steve Dotto, a good friend of mine, talking about live video lessons from traditional broadcasting. So that's going to be a really, really fun thing to talk about. The show notes for this episode will be at iag.me forward slash 34. That's iag.me forward slash 34. But first, I want to introduce our first sponsor for today, which is StreamYard. StreamYard is what I'm using to broadcast to LinkedIn Live and a number of other different platforms out there. And it's my top recommended live streaming tool as a web app. If you're looking for a web app to make broadcasting or live video really easily, then StreamYard is my recommendation because it's, it's so easy to use. It works directly in your web browser. And so it's available for Mac users and PC users. It's so incredibly simple to use and has so many amazing features, such as being able to highlight comments on the screen from all the different platforms out there, being able to have up to five guests on your show without any extra software, being able to share your screen adding your own brand colors and the ability to stream to Facebook, Periscope, LinkedIn Live, YouTube, and more. Now, all of those features are in the free version. Yes, there's a free version of this. 
If you want more, then there are paid options, uh, such as get, giving the ability to add your own logo, overlays, backgrounds, videos, all that kind of stuff. And also something that's really exciting is the ability to multicast to more than one platform. So like I'm doing today, we're going live to Periscope, LinkedIn Live, YouTube, my Facebook group and a Facebook page all at the same time. So if you want to find out more about StreamYard, all you need to do is just go to iag.me forward slash StreamYard. You can download, uh, you don't have to download anything. In fact, you just sign up for a free account uh, and there are also paid versions available too. But it's now time to introduce Steve Dotto. Steve is Canada's most respected geek for over 16 years as host and executive producer of Dottotech, a nationally syndicated TV show, Steve entertained and educated millions of Canadians on all aspects of technology. He has a passion for understanding the social impact of technology and is a very popular keynote speaker. On YouTube, Steve focuses on two audiences, a traditional how-to and productivity stream, which follows his TV tradition, and a focus on encouraging Gen X and baby boomers to engage and provide leadership in the online world. Steve, welcome to the show. Hi. You're here. You're on now. I was just looking up all of the different live streams and I found us on YouTube Live. That's one of the challenges we have with this is we've got comments happening in multiple different platforms. I know. I know. It, it can be. and and but that, but that is one of the good things about StreamYard, actually, that it gives you the ability to see all the comments from all those different platforms. So you coalesce them all and so you have them here. It's just your guest can't see them. Yeah, you can't see them, okay. but well, you can. Well, that's okay, as long as one of us can. Although, if you were seeing this on StreamYard, you would be able to see all, all the comments as well. I think the guests can. Anyway, I'm so excited to have you on. Before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of talking about the broadcasting world and what we can learn from that, this is a fairly new thing that we're doing, so the last two or three guests are, have had this. We're, we're, we're having a bit of a quick quiz. I didn't tell you about this, did I? No. <laughs> so, so I'm basically going to ask you some very, very simple questions. It's just basically a way for us to get to know you a bit better. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Are you feeling nervous now? No. I like long walks on beaches. Um, I quite enjoy, you know, a glass of wine and a good book. Um, I'm sensitive. Are those the questions? No, they're not. No. Okay. So the first, first is, what is your favorite type of food? Uh, well, I'm Italian. Uh, raised Italian. So pasta. Pasta. Okay. That sounds good. Okay. Next question. If you had to choose Mac or PC? Mac. That's easy. Do you want, you want me to expound on that? Well, you and can so, do, yeah. You know, when we did our TV show, we used to use, because back in the day, Windows was far more financially viable to, to, to kind of feature. And uh, so I used PCs for years and years and years. But I'm a content creator at heart. And it's pretty, well, you know, you've switched over recently from PC to Mac. Mm. And as a content creator, Macs just tend to work better. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Well, I, I think the pros and cons were both. For live streaming, it, it, you know, PCs tend to be more powerful, but then yeah. they're, they're, they're not yeah. as easy to yeah. use. So although I reluctantly, Reluctantly went over to Mac, but I've actually ended up really enjoying it. But I think I'll always have a PC as well as a Mac, but my yeah. main computer is a, is a Mac. Okay, next question. Favorite kind of music? Oh, man. Um, I like, well, so much. I mean, I, 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 I just enjoy everything. I mean, you know from our history that I do musical theater occasionally. And I like that, which is kind of a guilty pleasure because people tend to laugh at you if you like that. Uh, but I like, I like a little bit of classical. I like jazz. I love, uh, I love kind of, you know, I, I love 
you know, the, the Billy Joel and, uh, you know, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I've got a pretty eclectic, eclectic would be my answer. I'm impressed with that. That's good. I like eclectic is always good. Okay, now this is going to be interesting because I know that you have gone on a bit of a fitness drive over the last, is it one or two years? The least? Uh, it's been a little bit longer than that. It's yeah. been about four years, yeah. Four years. And I have to say, Steve has been one of my inspirations in, in me getting fit over the last year. I've had a personal trainer for the last year. So I think I probably know the answer to this, which is if you had to choose between a, eating a banana or a Krispy Kreme donut, what would it be? Oh, I'd choose a Krispy Kreme donut. <laughs> I'd choose. But uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, that that's what, what my preference would be. I mean, I would probably eat a, but do you call it a banana? I'd probably do that. A banana. No, I said, yes. I, just I, said I, I, would, I mean, I would, I, I try and eat healthy. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, one of the reasons we work out is so that we can occasionally enjoy things as well. Yeah, right? yeah. No, that's true. Well, yeah, I kind of gave, I gave up sugar about two or three years ago. And actually I, physically couldn't eat a Krispy Kreme donut. It's kind of weird. It's changed. Oh, no, yeah, that would, that would, that would get you yeah, buzzing. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's changed my, I think it's changed my palate. So I can't well, like, you, yeah. You made a strategic mistake by giving up sugar 100%, Ian, I got to tell you. Because, you know, here's the thing. If you don't have any bad habits, at one point in your life, you're going to go to the doctor, the doctor's going to say, you've got to give up your bad habits or in six months, you're dead. <laughs> and if you don't have any bad habits to give up at yeah. that point, it's in six months, you're done. So I look, they're kind of an insurance policy. That's a really good point. Cause unfortunately I can't have caffeine. It gives me uh, heart palpitations. So I'm not doing very well in that, in that department. Okay. Next question is <laughs> favorite kids TV program. My favorite kids TV program. My kids are all grown. I used to like one called blues clues back in the day. The kids really liked that one. I guess it'd be very in vogue now to say Mr. Rogers. Let's do Mr. Rogers. Okay, let's let's do that then. Favorite classical composer. Oh, I'm uh, I kind of like uh, the the Russian. So you know, Korsakov. Is that right, Korsakov? Yeah, uh, Rimsky Korsakov. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of like those guys. I like the, I like the fiery Russian stuff. Sounds good. Yeah, but you're a bit of passion in your belly there. Yeah, and yeah. final final question is your favorite app. If you had to choose just one app, what would it be? The one that I the one that's most useful to me in my life is Evernote still. But I really for for our video stuff, ScreenFlow on the Mac for creating videos yeah. has been has been a big thing. But if if there's one app that I think everybody should use, not just because I sell a course on it, visit.otech.com so you can buy it, uh, it would be Evernote. <laughs> uh, you definitely need to check it out because it is a fab course and uh, just learning every, everything about Evernote is cool. So thank you for that. Yeah, Anna says in LinkedIn, my kids loved Blues Clues. I'm not quite sure what that is. Yeah, Blues Clues. It was a yeah, it was a, it was a nice it was a nice uh, the, the host of it was really 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 solid and he uh, really connected well with the kids he had this gentle gentle personality oh, and they cool. changed him part way through because he went to university or something oh, but okay. it was a good show it was about a blue dog an animated blue dog yeah uh, it rings a bell now Anyway, after that, so uh, I always like to ask people that I know on the show because I've got a particularly bad memory. Uh, I don't know what your memory is like, Steve, but can you remember when we first met? And sometimes yes, we... the sometimes the virtual world and the real world can merge into one, but have you got any memories of that? Yeah, we were on the rowing team together at Cambridge. <laughs> yes, I remember it well, yes. <laughs> no, we met, at, we met in person at Social Media Marketing World and you were hanging out in the bar with Julie Bramble and I met you there. That was the that was our very first meeting. That's ever. cool because I know we 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 were both speaking at and the we were, social media summit island as well. 
No, it was before then. But, but, but yeah, we were but, already friends. But I think we were. I think it was before then because. But we were also both in the choir for social media marketing yeah, world, yeah, and that's where yeah. you and I kind of started chumming. And we, you accidentally stood next to me, and you realized that I was a bit of a disturber. It was a mistake doing that, but you know, yeah. you, you learn from these things. But it's great, yeah, it's great that Steve is also a singer. He loves to. He loves. Uh, we love singing in the musical together at Social Media Marketing World. So we're not going to say any more about what may or may not be happening next year. That's top secret information. So. Okay, live video. Why should we consider live video? Well, I tell you, coming from my background, I did 20 years of broadcast television. Included in that, we did live television. I did live radio. And I recognize the resources and the impact and the power of deliver, of doing a live broadcast. And before we had the ability to stream live as we do online now, it required a broadcast studio. It required a license from the uh, from the, the telecommunications uh, provider in your area. It, it required a distribution network that was very finite as far as the number of feeds that could be sent out at any one point on television or on in radio. And it was a very near, dear and expensive proposition to reach people through any sort of streaming format. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, you know, with uh, with the growth of the web came this opportunity for us to do live streaming. And I package everything under the live streaming thing. It's whether if you're doing uh, if you're doing like what we're doing right now, if you're doing webinars, all of this kind of content. But the, able, the ability to be able to reach an audience immediately, it might be uh, taken for granted now by many of our community. But I can tell you as a broadcaster who, you know, you know, kind of worked from the traditional point of view. This is a, uh, it's an opportunity, it's a privilege that very few people had. I mean, none of my friends, when I did television, none of my friends had their own TV show. None of my friends could, you know, on Saturday morning, go on the air and reach as many people as were interested in what they had to say. Yet everybody can do that today. And that is just plain spectacular. Yeah, I, I agree with you. But do you think maybe it's lost some of that magic because it is so ubiquitous. And so everyone mm -hmm. can, I mean, not everyone does do it, obviously. That's maybe, you know, we can talk about that. But do you think it's lost some of its magic because of that? Yeah, it's lost its magic because a lot of people do it without respecting the power of it. They just, you know, when Facebook Live came out and stuff, people would be streaming Facebook Live because they were bored. That's not the reason to be streaming. You shouldn't be reaching out and wasting people's time because you're bored and you want people to entertain you. Yeah, yeah. That's not what that's not what this is about. It's 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 an opportunity for you to enrich somebody in some way. I think too many of our colleagues and compatriots don't respect the time of the people who watch their content. And I, I realize that's a bit of a damning indictment, but if you recognize how much time is worth and, you know, when you did television, when we did television and, you know, we had 23 minutes a week and it cost you tens of thousands of dollars to produce and to distribute that, you respected what went into every minute of that. You respected the value of that time. But people will create videos on YouTube or they'll create live streams now and they will futz about. They won't be prepared. They'll just kind of, you know, they'll they'll think people are interested in them because they're cute or, you know, for whatever reason, they aren't prepared for what they're doing. I think that that's where it's lost some of its luster. Well, maybe, yeah, the whole cute thing, maybe that's <laughs> something I need to work on. Well, I mean, I mean, you can have fun with your audience. You can kibitz around a little bit. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you better bloody well be delivering value. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Because you're taking time out of their day. You're saying, you stop doing what you're doing 
and pay attention to me and don't do the important work that is sitting on your desk or on your computer screen right now or with your family right now. Spend time with me. So what value are you going to deliver for that? Yeah, def- definitely. Totally agree. So you've done this for a long time. You've done video, either whether it's pre-recorded video or live video for a long time. Did you get nervous? Do you still get nervous when going live? And have you got any tips for us? No, I. to be honest, I, I get anxious not typically about, well, first of all, I, your last guest talked about imposter syndrome. I, I still have that. Every every broadcast I do, I am concerned and I'm always pleasantly surprised that people find value and that they comment back in value because I, because I, that is persistent. You know, I, I don't think we ever get over that. And if you do get over that, there might be something wrong because, you know, you always, because I, I think that imposter syndrome or that uh, the anxiety of delivering part of it's is tied into our ego of not wanting to look a fool. But for a lot of us, it's also tied into the wanting to make sure that you're doing a good job and you're delivering value to your community. So there's a healthy aspect to that. Personally, I get most anxious about the technology. I know that I've prepared my content and I have a system having done as much as I have that I know how to prepare the content. I know how much content should put in and I recognize where the value is. But Technology is always going to jump up and bite in the ass at the worst possible time. And uh, the bigger the webinar, the bigger the message. Like I give, I give free webinar after free webinar delivering content on an ongoing basis. And I guarantee if I'm going to have one webinar go off the rails, it's going to be the one of 10 webinars that I deliver or live streams that I deliver where I'm making a sales pitch. Where it's going to make me money. And that's going to be the one that's going to, that's going to cause trouble probably. So yeah. I get anxious over that. And that's not what I lose sleep about, but what I get a little bit anxious about. But having said that, I also am anxious before. But if it goes off the rails during, it doesn't really bother me all that much. And why is that? Because it just, you've started it. So you, what can you complain about? I think because at the end of the day, once it starts to go off the rails, you've got to get out of jail free card. If you can bring it back on in line, and if you can get the webinar going again, you're a hero. And if not, the technology screwed up. So it's kind of a, <laughs> I realize it's kind of a back ass way of looking at it. <laughs> but it's at that point there, the pressure's taken off. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not your fault. You, if you did everything you can, like people will get mad at you and they'll get a little pissy and stuff, which I always find fairly humorous that people are getting mad at me because the video, the audio is attenuating on their end. They're saying, you've got an echo or something like that or something going on. Well, well, it's fine on my side. I've done everything I can. Why are you getting mad at me? So I always find that a little bit humorous. And I think you have to kind of reach a point where you've done enough that you know you've done your job and that at that point there, if they've got a problem, it's their problem. Yeah, exactly. Because things are going to go wrong. I mean, it's quite refreshing to hear, you know, you, Steve, you've been doing this for such a long time and things still go wrong for you occasionally. I'm in the middle of, I'm in the middle of reevaluating. We do a webinar every single week called yeah. Webinar Wednesday. And we typically have about a thousand people sign up. It's a pretty good, big part of my business. Mm. And I often do it in Webinar Jam. But Webinar Jam has been just off the rails lately, just screwing up left, right, and center. Like I, I've had terrible video. So here we are after you the same product mostly for like four years uh this week we're going to be using a different webinar package because it's been letting me down but that's what that's what happens and then we adjust and then we move on yeah i think that's great advice so for those watching or listening don't just 
think that the software and the hardware and the, the solution, the tech solution that you've chosen is going to last forever because bugs happen. You know, tools change over time. Facebook, YouTube, they change. And so you've got to be prepared in the future to tweak your setup. <laughs> Steve, I know that you do that on a, on a, a regular basis or you, you something you look into. I mean, certainly when you've yeah. done your, you've, you've, you've been reviewing webinars live on air and you've been jumping from yeah. one to the other. I don't know how you get with that. We've got Michael Phillips in LinkedIn watching. He's saying this is very, very useful uh, information, which is great. So that's what that's what we want. So when it comes to TV broadcasts, what are them in your mind are the main differences between traditional TV broadcasts and, and live video as we know it today, whether it's webinars or whether it's YouTube, Facebook Live, that kind of thing? Well, one of the things that is different in live broadcasts is this I'm going to sound my age, is there's more responsibility in live broadcast. You know, we, we see a lot of controversy lately over the, the Child Online Protection Act that's happening in the States with YouTube now clawing back how they're doing advertising to different providers and stuff. And what's happened is content creators that have come into this space have come in with a free tools that are readily accessible and very few guidelines as far as what's appropriate content. In all jurisdictions, if you're broadcasting over the air, you still follow your your regional your your national broadcaster's standards and so recognizing what's appropriate content to be putting online and what's not that's number one the biggest thing is you pay attention to making sure that you're following society's guidelines for what's appropriate content that doesn't always happen online or often doesn't yeah so that's that's number one but that's kind of the crotchety old guy uh (laughs) view um from a far more pragmatic point of view For me, the epiphany that was amazing when I started doing YouTube and then going into the live streaming space was the shift in who my customer was. When I did a television show, my customer was the network, the TV network, and my sponsors and the advertising agencies. They were the ones that signed the check that let me make the money to put my show on the air. When I started doing YouTube and live streaming and when I started in Blab back in the day, which I was a huge fan of and all of those sorts of tools, for the first time in my professional life, the customer was the viewer. The person watching my show was the person who ultimately was going to generate revenue for me. And it completely cut out the middleman and it meant it made content that much more relevant. I had to keep advertisers, advertising agencies and networks happy back in the day. Now you've got to keep your viewers happy. What a liberating place. There's so much freedom attached when you can be concerned to serve the people who are watching you and you don't have this ulterior motive to your content delivery. So that to me is the biggest single difference. And I realize that we we aren't talking technology. We aren't talking presentation. We're talking about the business aspect of it. But that to me was the epiphany that got me so it's what reinvigorated me. When I stopped doing television, I didn't necessarily want to stay on the air and become a personality in any other format. I wasn't looking to to do another TV show or another radio show or to, you know, to do this work again. But the opportunity to have this new relationship with an audience is what really got me excited. You used the word responsibility. It's, it's a huge responsibility. You were responsible f- for producing great content that your sponsor was happy with, but that's, the, that's one entity, that's one person, isn't it? Whereas you've got <laughs> yeah. all, the, all these viewers and you want to keep all of them happy or you know, as many of, of them as possible. And it's interesting, you know, like, so I have sponsors for this podcast and this live show. And in a way, I, obviously I want to keep them happy. But ultimately, I only ever choose sponsors that I feel are, are going to be a good fit that's going to make my viewers and listeners happy. And and yeah. so not all s- potential sponsors get that. 
I don't think. I've had some companies, like really random ones, kind of contact me, say, we'd love to sponsor your show or put some ads on your website. And it's like a plumbing website or something. And so at the end of the day, we, we it is all, always thinking about the viewers and thinking about them. And, and that is it's a res- big responsibility. But it's, it's liberating, as you say. It's exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. From a tech point of view, though, is there anything you can say about that? Because obviously, I can assume that the tech, uh, when it comes to broadcasting on TV, is probably costs a few dollars more, yeah. a bit more complicated to use. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I always joke that I, the thing that I miss about doing television is the people, is, is being part of a team. You know, I say, I always say that my crew has been replaced by USB ports and, uh, <laughs> which is, uh, which, and I find the biggest challenge I find, you know, to kind of t- tangentially approach your question is I find this a very lonely existence. Now I find mm-hmm. this to be a very lonely job. I never, like I used to get up at like five in the morning and drive into the studio and I'd be in there working before my crew arrived. But every day I was surrounded by people who were all pulling in the same direction as I was. And even though I owned the show, I was uh, way down on the totem pole as far as decision making because I hired a whole bunch of people that told me what to do. I was told what time I had to be in makeup. I was told how much, you know, how much time I had left in this segment. I was told which scripts had to be ready. You know, everybody was telling me what to do the whole time, but I was part of this team that that produced the content. And so I miss that a lot. That's the biggest difference is when you suddenly become a solopreneur or you have a distributed team. Now we've since grown and we have a team. uh, We have Liz in London that does all of our content stuff and April does all of our system stuff. So I've got a team around me again, but they're not here with me. As far as the quality and as far as the video goes, there was a real learning curve and a really a new reality that I had to come to terms with here as well. Uh, Because when you do broadcast television, you sit there and, uh, you know, the lighting has to be perfect. And they're not looking at the video image with the with the naked eye like you're looking at my camera right now. I'm looking at yours and they look fine. Uh, But fine isn't good enough for broadcast television. They look at your image on a scope and they the scope tells you what's working and what's not as far as light, as far as sound, all of those things are measured scientifically as opposed to artistically the way we're doing them now. So I always thought that that was a pain in the ass standing there while they're relighting to lose one shadow over my shoulder (laughs) to drive me crazy because I'm going, who cares about the shadow? All of my craftsmen that worked on the TV show cared about the shadow. But at the end of the day, when I started to be able to produce my own content, the shadows there. I mean, look at my office. It's kind of messy. I got my dog laying in the background. I got some stuff up on the shelves back there, right? This would not be acceptable in broadcast television, but it shows that the content does matter. What I'm saying matters more than the environment that I'm in. You have to kind of set your own level now for what's acceptable. You know, camera, we spend a lot of time looking at what gear is going to be acceptable for delivery. I'm just using a Logitech Brio, which I think is a great camera, but I always have good lighting. I always make sure I have good lighting. I concentrate really hard on making sure I have good audio because I know from personal experience that people will watch poor quality video yeah. if the audio is good. They won't watch good video with poor audio. Our ears are more sensitive than our eyes. So recognizing that we don't need that final 10% that is the quality or maybe 20% is the quality we get in broadcast from a TV set, that's not needed. We don't need to invest in that quality. You can if you're passionate about it, but that's not. it's not going to generate a return on investment. Whereas if you invest in getting your video to everything to 80% quality, like really, it's got to be good, but it doesn't have to be great for most of us. 
and then concentrate that extra effort on your content. Now, having said that, there are broadcasters that do have to have that high quality. You know, when you look at the YouTube channel and the YouTube world of, of, of YouTube video, you know, the vloggers that are cinematographers, you know, the Casey Neistats and the Peter McKinnons of the world, they do have to have the exceptional lighting and frame rates and all of the different things. But if I'm teaching you how to use Evernote, what I'm showing you on screen is more important than how well I'm lit. There's something about the fact that you're showing your background and showing your office that it's, I hate to use the word authentic, but you know, we're, we're seeing this is how you work. This is your office. And I, I like that. I like to see how Steve works. This was strategic. And this was a bit of the journey that we went on. When I first, my channel was built with green screen. Every video, if you look at my old videos, had my head on green screen as I showed the apps. And I was kind of, I was known for that. And it still works and it is good. But I also recognize that one of the reasons that a lot of people follow me is ultimately they like me, which confused the heck out of me. But <laughs> it is a truism, you know, my Canadian ego comes in or imposter syndrome comes in. But recognizing that people do want to have a little taste of your life. Yeah. And if you're willing to let them in a little bit. So this set came out of and this is actually my office. But this came out of a recent move. Two years ago, we moved houses. And in my old office, the green screen was better because the room wasn't an attractive room that I was in. It was an old bedroom that had been converted. Whereas this was a brand new build. And I was able to set this up as a kind of a place that I'd like to spend time. And consequently, uh, I set it up to be a visually interesting. And I, I, but I allow for it. I've got two locked out. Actually, it's, there's nice daylight outside. I'll just flip the switch on. I've got two locked off LED lights here. They're, everything will balance now a bit. So I can, I can record at any time with good, consistent lighting. Actually, I should have had those on. That looks a lot better right now, doesn't it? And I mean, I also have Farley in the background there, which you, when you're on the single, you can see my dog in the background, which people love. <laughs> and he'll often do something rude in the middle. But that, that accessibility to the people does make you more approachable, more memorable. And it makes people feel more comfortable with you. And obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you won't have seen any of that, but you can imagine. Oh, I forgot we're on a podcast. <laughs> but it's okay. It's fine. Imagine, if you will. Hey, guess what happened with this? You can't see it, but there's an Epson printer there in the background, which I bought. And I used to have Epson as a sponsor, talking just kind of a crazy story. I used to have Epson as a sponsor on my TV show years ago, but I'd lost touch with their advertising agency because I wasn't doing that kind of work anymore. Out of the blue, they had picked up that I that I had this printer in the background of all of my videos, and they invited me to New York for their new product launch, which was great because I That's got to awesome. see all of Epson's new stuff coming out. But that happened as a result. Never me ever mentioned. I hadn't done a video on Epson, mm. but just that it was persistently in the background of so many shots that they had picked up on. That's it. So I don't know. Cool. If yeah. That's so cool. Well, I use a green screen, not because I particularly want to use a green screen. I, I think that it's great for, for some stuff, but basically just the office that I've got is it's just the logistics of the office, really. It's uh, I've had to resort to using a green screen. But I think if you if you can... If you have got an office where you can kind of put stuff behind you that shows off your brand and your personality, then definitely do that. And we're going to have somebody on the show talking about how to design a background. So I'm really excited about that. That's going to be oh, in the future. That'll be good. Yeah. And, and neither is right or wrong. You know, you can build a great community using green screen. You can use a great community, you know, with a set background. You can build a great community doing everything on an iPhone wandering around in the park. It doesn't matter. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's your personality and, and your relationship with your community that counts. 
Definitely. Well, there's loads of follow-up questions I want to ask you, but I don't want to forget our next sponsor, which is Content 10X. Content 10X have been sponsoring the show right back from the early days. It's something that I'm so passionate and excited about. One of the big advantages with doing live video is the way that you can create content quickly and easily. Once you've planned the content, as Steve was saying, you need to plan that content, you need to get the tech sorted, but once you've got that, you press the start broadcast button and you have created a piece of content quickly and easily, far easier and less time consuming than creating like a blog post, for example. And so what Content 10X does is they they provide a full end-to-end content repurposing service. So for example, you go live, you press the end broadcast button after you've done it, they will then take that live video and repurpose it into a plethora of different types of content, whether that's a podcast, a blog post, an infographic, social media posts, and really to help you focus on your business, they will explode it across the interwebs on all those different platforms. So if you want to find out more about their service and what they do, or maybe you want to just do this yourself, you want to find out more about content repurposing, saying they've not only got an amazing website and podcast at content10x.com they've also amy has uh, who's the the founder of content 10x has written a really great book so it's just called content 10x so if you want to find out more about that all you need to do is go to content10x.com you're listening to the confident live marketing podcast with ian anderson gray so nice read you're you got this down man <laughs> well you'd hope by episode 34 that i'd have improved a little bit you'd be surprised how bad some people are <laughs> well there we go that's an encouragement i'll write that in my in my nice words file steve says you've got it down there we go consider about the headroom on this camera there we go <laughs> so yeah you mentioned about a team i just great that you mentioned liz liz is is great i haven't seen liz for ages but she actually she's not she wouldn't describe herself as a photographer but she actually took my the photo that I still oh, use yeah. with the red background and me yeah. kind of pulling a silly face. And uh, so she, she's a, such a talented person. But yeah, I mean, so you've grown a team. It's obviously, it's a in your case, a virtual team. But I mean, how important do you think having a team is when producing live video. I mean, I, at the moment, I'm doing everything myself. I am, uh, I'm, I'm basically, I'm hosting, I'm interviewing, I'm producing, but I am thinking about, I've, you know, I've got a virtual assistant and, and getting her involved in like moderating comments and doing, and, and all the things behind the scenes. How, how do you use your team when it comes to video and live video? Okay, well, now I don't take this personally, but you're doing everything wrong. <laughs> no, but the way that I teach, okay, so my perspective, is I come coming from the broadcast world is I believe that there's a reason that we do things a certain way when we do live television shows and when we do live radio shows. And there's a reason that we've got a system down that we do that because it works. So, and, and I teach this actually, I've, I've done several courses where I've taught people about how I like to produce video. And one of the big differences is I, I spend a lot of time talking about the format of the show. And Ian, by the way, you've got a great format. I love how your show, show is structured. You really you show some nice maturity as far as as far as how the show is packaged. But what you're missing, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, is you're missing a producer. Hmm. You shouldn't be worried at all about cameras switching technical. You should have 100% of your attention as the host of this live stream on me, yeah, on your guest, and on the t- content being delivered. You shouldn't be worried about technical issues. That's a producer's job. 
and they should be queuing up questions and putting them in front of you so that you can concentrate on having a conversation. We can multipurpose to a certain extent, and you do a great job of doing the switching and all of those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, you, I believe, do a little bit of a disservice to your content by not giving it 100% of your attention. So in my ideal world, you would have a content producer, somebody who set up the live stream, monitors the feed, does the switching. If you have live questions coming in from an audience, filtering those questions. If somebody is complaining, saying that they can't, that the audio is not working, sending them a note saying, you know, letting them know that, uh, you know, maybe they should refresh or asking them what browser they're using, dealing with all of the issues around it mm. so that the host can concentrate on their job which is being content on air. So that would be my comment about how I would look at using a team for you. And I think you you already can imagine just how much less stress there would be on you and how much of a better job you could do. Because I'm sure that when you finish a show, when you're editing, you're going, oh, damn, I wish I'd thought to ask this at that point. Or I wish I'd taken up on this. Or I didn't even notice my guests saying that because I was doing something else. And man, that was a great opening. Yeah, I think you're right. I and I've found now that I've I've been doing this for so long and I'm more, more experienced, I'm far more able to to be in in the present and to to listen to exactly what you say because because mm -hmm. the, the tech is working and, I, and I'm kind of like in the background, I'm just switching between the scenes. But when I yep. first started, you're, you're so right, I, I wasn't, and I'm I'm still. I, I think you're right. I still can't be a hundred percent in it. And when you grow, when you take this to the next level, when you start getting 150 or 200 people on the stream. And there's all of that conversation going on. And they're asking great questions. How can you juggle filtering out those questions and all of the noise that's happening in chat with giving 100% attention to your guest? There'll be a breaking point. So I'm sure you didn't call me on to take apart and criticize your production <laughs> technique. But you opened the door. You asked me my <laughs> philosophy on staffing. So yeah. now I've given it so to you. So there we go. Thank you for that, Steve. That's great. <laughs> Your first and last time on the show. No, I'm joking. No, it's, it's really great tips, actually, that when you're first starting off, if you can afford or justify the cost of getting people in to produce your show and to moderate those comments, because you know as you're getting more and more comments, you, you don't want to be missing those people out. If you can get people that are actually replying to those comments live, like if you've got a, a moderator, yeah. that's great. And push and pushing those to you because you know I've I've got a stream here and. I've I've done pretty well in the past when we've broadcasted on normal time. We get uh, quite a few more viewers, and so get it, and tend to get more comments. And so it, but it's still a challenge. It's still a challenge. Yeah. So mm -hmm. so here's a tip for people that are starting out, and maybe even for you, is find somebody in one of the Facebook groups that's doing the live streaming stuff that has a similar format to you, and offer to switch off. I say, look, I'll produce your show live. I'll, I'll come on and, and act as an, a live producer on your show, knowing what technology is involved. And you do mine. And so for an hour of exchange time, you can get the benefit and you don't necessarily have to hire somebody. And they also are pre-trained because they're already a live streamer. That's a great tip. Yeah. So when it comes to content, we talked a little bit about structure and, and the content. You know, what can we learn from the broadcast world when it comes to structuring? I've thought really carefully about how I structure the show because this show is a live, it's a hybrid show. It's 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 a live video, and we bring in. We in fact, there's been some great comments, which I will I will get back to those comments very shortly. We've got live comments. It's a live show, but it's also a podcast, and so I, I want to think about those two audiences at the same time. So, what can we learn from tr the traditional world in putting that forward? In 
into live video. I think you've taken on a lot by doing that. I've looked at doing the same thing, and there's and I you, unfortunately what you I'm sure you'd agree, you had to find a series of compromises to make it worth work in both yeah. platforms. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So you couldn't, so things that you would want to do in a live stream, you've had to say no, because that won't work for the podcast or things that you want to do in the podcast. And then probably less so because you can always add content to a podcast at any point in the future with the editing. So the podcast doesn't tend to suffer quite as much as long as you're willing to edit. But the live stream, there's always compromises that happen as a result on the live stream. So as far as format goes, I think that the, you know, the lessons that you, I mean, you've now got a, you've created a format that works for you. And here's the great hidden is not so much what it does as far as the quality of content you deliver, which is good because you've got this structure, but think about what it does for you psychologically for being prepared for each facet of the show, because here we are right in the middle. I don't know where we are in your format, but you know exactly where we are in your format and you know what's coming up and you know how we're going to get out of the show and you know how we're going to get out of this session and you know even all the way through how 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 this is ultimately going to get published and posted to to your to your podcast provider etc so you see the entire journey that this content is on which means you have a three-dimensional view of it it's not a song that you're in the middle of right that we're just that that we don't you that, that's kind of just isolated you can see the entire picture as as an image probably i always i could always kind of see the structure and so that to you is a great blessing because you always know where what's expected of you and what you have to do to close off each section of the show. So that structure is crucial. Every television show, every radio show has a structure and they name them in a variety of different ways. But, you know, you have a cold open, you have an intro, you have a bumper, you've got a, you know, you've got B-roll, you've got all of these different assets that you bring in to create a format and a structure for your content. Understanding intimately what that is it gives you a tremendous leg up and allows you to, it frees you up to do your best job and, and it takes pressure off each step of the way. I, I don't know if I express that well, but when you first go live on any platform, everything accelerates and things move at a, at a pace and your brain doesn't work as well as it did yeah. 10 minutes before you went live. And that's the same whether you're on stage. That's the same whether you're doing a radio show. It's the same for me after doing literally hundreds of live radio shows and probably over, you know, total live performance is probably over a thousand. I still get cotton-eared at a certain point. And, and I go, oh, it's coming up. If I know, if I'm, if I'm kind of winging it, that will happen. But if I have a structure, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So did I answer your question about you the did. value of yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of think about this. I've learned from the, the singing world that like I had to yes. like when I was performing a, a work and like for some of the songs that I would sing, it would be like Handel's Messiah. I would have my music in front of me while I sang. And I I always knew I had to treat I, I called this I have to treat myself like a total idiot. And I would sometimes I would write the beats above each bar and I'd like put word, you know, rings around words. And because although I could sing it absolutely no problem at home, when I got on stage in front of three or four hundred people, 
Like my brain would go to like, it would do weird things. And so I think when we're going live, we've got to be prepared for our brains just to do weird things and writing down, having the structure really, really clear. Maybe I'm not a fan of reading word for word, but have maybe have the first couple of sentences and the ending as well. Because sometimes I come to the end of the broadcast and I, I've completely forgotten what I'm supposed to say. But if I've got it written down and I know exactly what I'm doing at each time, then it's so much easier. And so, yeah, I've got a note in front of me. I've got some kind of ideas of the kind of questions I'm, I want to ask you. I've got what I'm going to say at the end. It's, I'm not reading it word for word, but that, that's that been my saviour, I think. And it's given me so much more confidence and to know what's going to happen. What what do I do if the tech doesn't work? Tops and tails. Tops yeah. and tails. Getting yeah. into and out of every scene is the hardest part yeah. of everything. And that's why I've got my taglines. You know, I've, I've created, if you watch my videos on YouTube, you see that I start every video off the exact same, well, more or less the exact same way. I start with a cold open, but then the actual meat of my video starts with the exact same greeting because I don't want to think of something new to say. And it's become a hallmark. People say it to me on the street. Yeah. They say my greeting that from videos on the street. And the same thing with my tagline, my clothes, you know, you know what it is. And, but everybody, you know, I, people will say that to me all the time. Because yeah. they recognize it. But it's not that I did it as a talisman to kind of a thing for people to see all the time. It was for me. So I knew how to put a button on it. So I didn't have to worry. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But it, but it's become, it's like this really consistent thing and it's great for branding. And yeah. it's it, people love love it for, for that. You know, and I, I think sometimes you, you don't have to always start with that. You can sometimes work towards that. I think that's what I've done in this podcast. So I didn't set out to have a, like a, a different theme song for the beginning of each. Yeah, you've got to w- worry about this. You won't, you, uh, I don't know what the theme song will be for, for this podcast. But yeah, it, it's so doing something that stand out and it's something to do with your branding is, is is great fun and it it helps you with the structure side of things as well. We've got uh, Jeff C is here and he says, um, "Oh Jeff, hi Jeff. Je- Jeff is here." So he says, "Stephen Ian together, mind blown." Well, we don't want to blow your mind too much. And we've also got some comments on uh, on LinkedIn Live. Sorry, I didn't get back to you, Jeremy. But Jeremy Klusterman is here. I can't ha- highlight these on the screen, unfortunately. But he was saying it is challenging to let things slide when you are used to broadcast standards. I totally agree. I would just say that one of the great things about live video is that if you are a perfectionist like I am, then it's a great way to kind of like stop being a perfectionist because it is not going to be perfect. There are going to be things that are going to go wrong, but that's not to say you shouldn't focus on getting a you know, much better quality. Jeremy also says audio is key. Totally agree on that. And he also says there is a time and place for green screen. Vlogging and live streaming doesn't always need it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree. I think, I think it works if you're doing, I know that you've done this. I don't know if you still do this, but if you're doing like a, a screen, you're actually showing people around the screen, I think it can make sense to do so. Yeah, we used to do it. I used to do it all the time. We've stopped doing it because uh, it takes a lot of time now. Mm. And Liz is lately with our format, she's just, she's using a, a circle to have my head in it because they like to have the face in it while we're doing it. We yeah. could go back to green screen quite easily. It's just the setting up is, uh, I'd rather not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it, and and green screen can look very fake. You know, it's it's actually very difficult to, you know, to get to get the lighting sorted. It's all about the lighting. Yeah. It is. It is. And I, I don't think I've got mine quite there. But you know, it's it's an experiment. And one of the things I want to do with this show is I want to highlight my journey and me playing around with things, which is great. We're over time, but it's been it's been great to have you on, Steve. How can I, it be? 
Yeah, it's just rushed past the way it goes. So how can people find out more about you? If they've got any questions for you and connect with you, and and I know you've got loads of stuff that you're doing, exciting things happening in the future. Well, I guess the thing I would would let people know about is in the live world, we do every week on Wednesday, we do a live webinar, usually focused on productivity, but often focused on content creation. It's called Webinar Wednesday. And if you drop by dottotech.com, you can find a link. This week, we're doing digital decluttering, although by the time you put this in podcast, it'll be gone. But every week it's free and it's uh, it's a good tutorial webinar. And if you want to learn about live streaming, we've got a, speaking of good formats, we've got a terrific format for that. As well, just to check us out on YouTube at Dotto Tech. Pretty well, everything is Dotto Tech. And if you want to learn more, about, get more productive, we've got a brand new course out, Evernote Made Easy. It's actually the fourth version of our course where we teach you how to use Evernote. But we have a free version of that. We have a free Evernote Quick Start. So if you struggled with Evernote and it never has really worked for you, but you think maybe it should, I've got a system that will open your eyes to make Evernote work for you. And if it doesn't work for you, then you at least you know that it never will <laughs> if you try this. Well, yeah, that sounds exactly like me because I've had Evernote for such a long time. And yeah, uh, I, I know well, we're it. Gonna do a, we're going to do a webinar for your community in e- January. E- exactly. So um, in yeah. fact, what I'll do is because uh, we, as of now, we haven't exactly sorted out you know ev- everything, but I will add that onto the podcast so people will know exactly what, what what's happening yep. with that, which is great. Well, it's been great to have you on. Oh, Pascal has this. Pascal did this last week. He just he comes in right at the end and leaves a comment that I have to add. So he says, "So pleased to have caught this chat live. Thank you, Ian, for superb hosting, and a big thanks for Steve for the many years of inspiration." So it's great. Good Thank to you, Pascal. It's great. We met up with Pascal yesterday in Newcastle, which was oh, which you was were fun. there for the Atomicon uh, or for the uh, yeah. The Atomic X thing. Yeah. So yeah. so that was that was fun. Where you had four whiskeys, you told me. I had four. Four, four but they were very, very small whiskeys. So that's... But you're a but you're a lightweight, Ian. Oh well. Look. I've seen you drink. You know, I, I am technically a Scot. My my parents are both Scottish, so it's it's in the blood. It's it's okay. Okay. Well I'm a lightweight. I can't do I can't hold my liquor. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'm looking forward to meeting up in San Diego and, and having a, a, a whiskey or two with you. Passing it out. Yeah, indeed, sir. <laughs> well, that's great. Thank you so much, Steve. And until next time, I encourage you to level up your impact, authority and profits using Confident Live Video. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Be sure to join the community at iag.me where you can continue to level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of live video. And until next time, toodaloo.